Can I rant for a second? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some random hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized that people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. That's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC terms apply. Did you know that 46% of us don't take all our vacation days? Even though it's been proven that taking time off to play makes us more productive. In California, no matter where you go, you'll find play. Explore a redwood forest, immerse yourself in art galleries, or just park yourself in a beach chair and chill. Play is everywhere in California, so take some well-deserved playtime off and discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hey guys, I've been telling you about how we are big fans of Tacova's boots. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style, and service are some of the best features of Tacova's. But now they also have a gift for our listeners. Tacovas will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps free with a minimum purchase of $100 at tacovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And point your toes west. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Dude, how are What's you, that man? Beastie Bo- I'm great. What's that Beastie Boys song that's like... Um- Intergalactic, da, 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 da. planetary, now, heard, intergalactic. Yeah. Now, someone told, yeah, and someone told me that if you listen closely, you can hear intergalactic, kill the children, kill the children, intergalactic. Oh, and I'm telling you, that. once you hear that, you will forever hear it when you listen to that song. I want you oh, listeners. Now I don't after ever this podcast to, this song, to go because I refuse to believe that the you will hear, boys are about you know when someone, sacrificing young children. You know when someone points something out to you and then you can never not hear it that way. Yeah, Every, it's like it's like listening to that song. So sad to see, so sad so sad to Yeah, they put on the interweb on like memes and stuff. They give you fake lyrics, and it really sounds like these people are saying that. Right. A oh, cup of soup. Bill look Lawrence who is it in the is. House. Bill Lawrence arrived in the Zoom call. Everybody, intergalactic, kill the children, kill oh the children, gosh. intergalactic. I don't like that. I don't, like, I don't like it either, but the Beastie Boys did it, Donald. They did not do that. I'm not one of the Beastie Boys. But I'm a huge fan of the Beastie Boys, and I refuse to believe that they kill children or that they want you to kill children in an intergalactic, planetary way. Intergalactic, <laughs> kill the children, kill the children. Inter- Here's Bill Lawrence, everybody. Do you guys uh, uh, watch the Beastie Boys documentary? Not yet. I really want to watch it, though. It's on my to-do list. I've been, I'm stuck on the right now. I'm watching. You know, who, like, you know who really likes the Beastie Boys a lot? Who? Uh, the Beastie Boys. Documentary. It's two of those dudes on stage being like, and then we did this great thing. 
<laughs> Bill, I imagine you as a sports fan, you're watching the 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 the. That's the, the one I'm stuck on. The Bulls. Thing. Yes. Oh my gosh. This, but Bill, doesn't this remind you of why you loved Michael Jordan so much when you were yeah. younger? Like, yeah. this makes me realize why he was one of my idols growing up. Even I had the poster, guys. I want you to know that. I had a poster of, of him in my room because I wanted to be cool, too. Every every kid that age, our age at that time, had the Michael Jordan poster. And even though I didn't watch any of it, I was like, well, I'm going to need one of those. There is nothing <laughs> funnier than you with a Michael Jordan poster. <laughs> it was right next to a Phantom of the Opera beach towel. Oh. My father uh, bought me a Phantom of the Opera beach towel, and, and I, I, you were supposed to use it at the beach, and I was like, this is art. I will hang this on my wall. And and I took thumbtacks and hung it like a tapestry, like a, like a really precious, rare tapestry. It was a Phantom of the Opera beach towel, and right next to that was Michael Jordan dunking with his tongue out. So there you go. Nice. I was trying oh, to fit in. Should I start this voice memo now, guys? All right. Well, I'll you should have. Oh, yeah. Zach forgot the uh, the other day. Oh, I fucked up. I hear that. I mean, the only one I haven't heard. I haven't heard Judy's yet because I fell asleep last night. It's so good. Judy was it's amazing. Good, man. She was great. Wait, she we forgot really to sing. Awesome. We forgot to sing. Bill, say five, six, seven, eight. Oh, I've always wanted to do this. Is it, but wait, is, is it going to be mm-hmm at the end? Or, oh, yes, yeah, the audience yeah. weighed in, mm-hmm. Bill. Thousands of people did an online Twitter poll and decided that the mm-hmm stays. All right, well, I'm going to do oh, yeah, because that's what it is in my head. Five, six, seven, eight. Stories about a show we made About a bunch of docs and nurses And a janitor who loved to hate I said here's a story Bill, you're the very first, for the obvious reasons, you're the very first guest we've invited back. He's our reoccurring. Yes, you're recurring, yes. Bill. Bill, just how, just how you had the power to make characters on Scrubs reoccurring, we, Donald and I have, uh, have the power to make you the creator of the show recurring, and we've chosen you. Oh, I like that. It makes me, um, it makes me feel like it's tenuous, like I could lose this at any second. Yeah, Bill, like you that. could fuck up and be <laughs> cut any time. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of reoccurring... Uh, it's not, it, it, it has a lot to do with the episode, but yo, how, where did you, where did you find Rob? How yeah. did that happen? Yeah, what's dude? the Rob story, Bill? Because like, we've heard versions of this. How did you find uh, Rob, who plays the Todd, everyone? All my the laugh Todd. out loud moments in this episode were Rob, and I'm embarrassed to say that because they're the <laughs> dumbest fucking sex jokes. But Joke ever. Every time, I always write down LOL just so I can mark when I actually laughed out loud, and they were all Rob moments. <laughs> <laughs> Rob was uh, an actor that got cast in a play that I wrote. And so I got to know him and he was a stand-up comic and his uh, performance was always better than his material. Cause he was just, you know, had crazy amounts of confidence. And I just got to be buddies with him playing basketball and hanging out. And uh, my wife always says that um, I ruined his life because Rob went to Columbia and I think he was thinking about doing other things besides acting. And um, um, right then I said, uh, Hey, I'm doing a Scrubs pilot. You want to be the, the jockey um, surgeon? He might have a line here and there. I think line ha- Rob had one line in every episode for nine years. Yeah. And then, um, you know, uh, and after that, 
I think, you know, he, he was a, a guy that had been doing it so long, it was too late to reinvent himself and to start over <laughs> as anything other than an actor. But this has a very good ending because he's a hugely, he's still the Todd, and he has a hugely successful real estate business in Venice, California, and uh, is killing it out there. And he still occasionally, though, dyes his hair black, puts the fake tattoo on, and goes to, like, European Comic-Cons as the Todd. And, uh, <laughs> and, he's and people, got his, pay, uh, people pay him for high fives, yeah. And he's got his cameo business, which you can get him to cameo all your friends if you go. I, if, and, if I were hiring Rob to do a uh, Todd appearance, he'd have to be in the banana hammock. Like I'd be yeah. like, and you have that to. Probably cost extra, that probably costs extra, Donald. It probably costs extra. I would probably cost extra. ever extra, and now he probably needs about a six month lead time on that just to, just <laughs> <laughs> to start starving himself. Um, but by that, the way, if, if you need a real estate, if you need a real estate broker in Southern California, especially down at the beach, uh, hire Rob Mascio because mm-hmm. I'm sure he'd be willing to give you a high five while he shows you places in Venice. There is without a doubt a way to buy a house from me high five out there for someone. <laughs> <laughs> you could buy a house and get a high five from Rob. I'm sure he'll throw it in with, with, the, with the work. Yeah, I don't even think you have to pay extra for that. <laughs> but he couldn't be it couldn't be a nicer guy. Loved the show. I used to love how passionate he was about it, and you guys made the joke because he would have one line, and he would be running it over and over, and the, it's still one of my favorite jokes. Rob's over there running line, running you know, line singular. It's, it's, it's he would take it. He would take it so seriously, and and we were laughing with him because he would laugh at it with us. But he would be like over there in the corner, being like, "High five, high five, high five, high five," <laughs> <laughs> working it out. But it, I mean, come on, always delivered. He's so fucking funny, man. It's the, always it's the always the same joke, but it, that's another testament to Rob. It's like it's always an innuendo it's joke. Always the same. It's the same joke, and it's always an sexual innuendo joke. But I, but a testament to you and him. I laugh every fucking time. <laughs> um, you, um, by the way, you you just nailed. And I believe it, it might be you know old lore and history, but my favorite Todd joke. I think came from a one. A, I think it was Neil Goldman, and I hate giving him a name check because he wants them so badly. I know. I saw on Twitter know, Neil Goldman. Neil Goldman wrote on Twitter. He's like, um, "There's been six episodes. I've been mentioned once." <laughs> I know, but the I think it was I think it was him. I think someone in the writers' room said, "Is every time the Todd talks just going to be sexual innuendo?" And I think he's the one that said, "In your endo." <laughs> in your endo. <laughs> He has the best line. He has the best line in this episode. It made me laugh so hard Which when one? he says, uh, I, "It's one of my LOLs." I bet. I bet you it is. When he goes, "You know what else? You know what else?" Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I gotta find it in yourself? my notes. It's yeah, ten oh four. It's I'm in ten Remember, I think it's. I'm not sure, Todd, but I'm gonna guess it's your penis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know what else? Stands else up for yourself, for right? Todd, right. I'm, <laughs> Todd, I'm not sure, but I, I'm gonna guess it's your penis. <laughs> And it was. <laughs> now, now, Bill, Bill, in your mind, is he a good surgeon? Yeah. I don't know if you remember if you guys have gotten there yet. No, we're only on this one. Ten. One of my favorite moments that uh, the writer's room all loved was because we had read something about how uh, surgeons are just cutters. You know, uh, medical guys call them hammers and the patient a nail. And if they get too caught up in their head, they sometimes aren't as good. And that gave us the idea for uh, Turk's character asked Dr. Wen who the best surgeon is, thinking it would be that young girl, Bonnie, or whatever her name mm-hmm. is. 
And Dr. Wen says, you really want to know who it is? And he points at the Todd and uh, you say, no way. And then uh, um, Dr. Wen says, you're all caught up in your brain thinking about all these problems. You know what Todd's doing? And they cut to Todd in surgery. We actually paid for the Bonanza theme because he's just he's just looking at all his instruments. He's going dun 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 dun, dun tiny scalpel. <laughs> 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 it was like dun 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 dun, dun time to slice about yeah. So that it's, it's so he's still present. He's still present in the moment because his mind isn't getting distracted. He's just like By, dun, yeah. Dun. He's got nothing to distract him. It's like somebody. It's like it's like how somebody that's not that bright could be great at a video game. That's Todd. Um, oh. Let's talk about Bonnie because uh, we mentioned it earlier that sure. that she was supposed to be my nemesis at one point right like that was supposed yeah to be, we uh we she, she got another gig yeah. she was good she would have stayed around the same way doug did in the same way other uh you know jd had doug on the medical side she would have been the person that stayed around on the surgical side uh but she got another gig yeah you know that's why uh we we sent her off on that trip um and came up with that story only because we knew she was uh, uh, not going to be around to to work for a while. That's always yeah. tough, man. That has to be difficult. Like when we talk about the people that have come through the show, and you know, like Aziz and all of these other people, it's like you know, if they weren't bubbling and doing yeah, their yeah. thing at the time, they would have been staples on the show for years to oh, come. Oh, without a doubt, man. Right. Even Charles Chung uh, disappeared for a second because he got some pilot or movie and stuff, and we loved having that dude around. He's just a really kind of, you know, meat and potatoes, good actor, you know, yeah. and, uh, uh, and he, he was a good straight show. man too for Donald. Cause he was just yeah. so good at deadpan, you know, and Donald yeah. could be like wacky Turk and he was just perfect. Like straight. Man. I, uh, we had, I, you can keep listing them. Remember Neil and Garrett called them our weapons chest. And those were one line characters that we thought were so very funny that not just Ted, the lawyer and Aloma, you know, nurse Roberts, but like uh, Dr. Zeltzer, you know, and uh, oh, Bob Clendenin. Yeah. I, oh my God. By the way, I just so a amazing. shout out to Bob Clendenin, who is yet to make an appearance. I don't know if he arrives in season one or not, but um, you introduced me to Bob Clendenin on the show and he played Zeltzer. And I just thought that is one of the funniest character actors I've ever met. I've put him in. He's a, great. I, I put him in a bunch of stuff since because I just love that guy. He's uh, he's amazing. You know, him and Sam Lloyd and uh, Krista and. Um, Aloma, I mean, they could all be regulars on any show, and so it was. Well, uh, Krista was, was a regular on a show. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, it was I mean, a fine they, line, though, of like you'd have like your guest star level, like Krista, and then you'd have like the Aloma level, who were, and then you'd have people you used to call your assassins who would just come by once in a while and they do like a drive-by one-liner and just f- kill it. Like, and and, and Bob Clendenin was one of those. He, oh, I remember he was, one, he was that a episode where he goes, uh, "Will there, will there be prostitutes?" Remember, like, <laughs> he would just yeah, have, the best that, my favorite part of that joke you love that my favorite was dr cox going no and bob's read of oh good <laughs> so was it be prostitutes no oh good good <laughs> <laughs> he was not worried about it at all he was hopeful Hey Bill, I thought we could start off since we have you, and I was thinking today because I did because you're here, and I put on a nice shirt. I was telling before you got on that because we had you, I put on a nice shirt, and I actually did a lot of preparation for this episode. And I watched it I last thought, night too. I'm ready. It's very such a very a good, good episode. First of all, such a great episode, dude. Judy, fucking race. holy huh? cow, Judy. We gotta do. You guys gotta carry one torch for me beforehand. The only thing that really bummed me out about this episode and all of my experiences is when I catch up with you guys. 
unless I want to pop a DVD and I watch on Hulu. And the song that Krista picked at the end of this episode was so good. And it was, it's not, you know, the original music is not on these episodes and streaming and it bums me out. I heard you, we keep telling the audience that. And just to reiterate, if you're just hearing this, not that we don't love Hulu, but uh, we do love Hulu. But we love they, you, um, Hulu. We love you, Hulu. But because of streaming rights and contracts and such, you're not going to get all of the original songs that that uh, Bill and Krista and others placed in these Zach shows. And, and Zach Neil and, and Neil uh, Goldman. The ending song of This in the Rain was a song by a band called Sebado, and it was so good uh, and so poignant in the real production of it. Speaking of music, we used it so much. Ba, 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 oh, that's here. Ba, that's in this episode. Right. It's one of the, it's, it's one it's of the definitely firsts. definitely in this episode. I, I, I noticed it's it. Brand, it's kind of new it's in two. the scrubs. Uh, it's like the second time we've used it. Ba, 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 ba. But when it came on, it pissed me off so much. It was like, oh, you ruined it with the ba, 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 ba. what's funny, what's funny is like back when they back when they introduced that sad cue, this was like, you know, this was like, you know, a 10th episode of season one. It was genuinely like sweet and heartfelt. Now that we did nine seasons and then started to make fun of it, now when it's like in a poignant moment, you're like, oh, not that fucking sad cue. This is the second time. This is the second time. This is the second time. I remember when it finally caught my attention. I was like, how come it fucking keeps going? Because at first I was like, oh, such a beautiful moment for so long, for so long. And then somebody was like, dude, the sad song. We got to figure that out. I think it was you, Bill, that said that. Yeah, you were right. like, it's, it's got to go. It's it's all, well, go. In our head, all those cues were the stuff that's happening in Zach's head, Zach's character's head while he's roaming around, you know? <laughs> So then you ended up doing um, a, a moment where, in one of the episodes where I actually referenced the cue. Well, you say, what do you mean? That now is when you say something poignant that makes me think about it, and then the sad music plays. It goes, ba 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 And then you hear me, you hear me in the voiceover go, ba 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 And then I think, and then, and then you geniusly fucking then use the cue out of that scene. That was so funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he walks away and says, you're an idiot. And it goes... The real cue goes ba ba ma 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 ma, and then you lip sync the last one. You go ba 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 ba. ba. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought that I think uh, that guy's name is Jan Stevens, and I think he won a bunch of score awards for our show. I, yeah, I don't think he was happy when you were like, I don't like the ba-ba-ba-ba anymore. I want no, the ba ba No, he man, he, he understood. He Listen. got it. That guy got it. He, that, he got the right. But by the way, just it's like very hard, you guys it's a very hard assignment. To do what just like doing. you guys were joking about yourself as with as anybody, that was a dude that um, worked his butt off oh the my first God, three yes. or four years. And then when you would get later in it, you'd be like, hey, we need a cue for it. And your inbox would go, Bloop, how about this one? <laughs> It'd just be literally, he was like one hand on his keyboard when you said, I need a cue, just going, bum, 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 bum. There you go. Done. Yeah. I'm going to head out to the park. What's funny was that there, you know, there are these things called stings, which are really quick little moments. See, they're all over Scrubs, and and uh, and it's funny when wow. Jan, yeah, Jan would write one like, "Hey, we need some stings for the end of the scene," and you get one and be like, "Bow," <laughs> and you'd be like, "Bow," <laughs> but we'd use them. It was like big Scrub scene, and bow, bow, bow. I thought. I thought because um, we have you here, and and um, and we're really we're really not we're not only entertaining the audience, but we want to provide a service. Sure, you could explain a little bit about what a showrunner does, because I was thinking as we were having you on today that I honestly think I've done a bunch of different jobs in in my career. I think a showrunner is the hardest job there is, 
Um, be- and it's, it dovetails with this episode because this is about taking on too much workload and being stressed and being overwhelmed, uh, particularly for for the character of Jill Tracy and Sarah Chalk. And I just I thought you could explain to people that aren't in the business uh, what, sure. a show, what a showrunner is, what a showrunner does, and why it's such a fucking impossibly hard job. Well, so it was, here's what's interesting, man. Hollywood, the first thing that you know, even when you're a kid, if you like movies and TV and stuff like that, is that you know that feature films are a director's industry. We have all gone like, oh, it's a Martin Scorsese movie. It's a Steven Spielberg movie, no matter who wrote it, you know? And the directors get to do what they want, the script, and they cast it, and they argue for final cut. And what's really interesting is in TV, um, directors come and go week to week. And so the person that creates the show, the head writer, often becomes, and they invented the term for it, the showrunner. And it's why I think, and I'm not being self-aggrandizing, I'm talking about other people, not myself, some of the best writers in entertainment stay in television because unless you're the movie director in movies, you're like, hey, you give us the script and then we'll do whatever we want to it. And in TV, they go, all right, if we decide to do your TV show, um, you get to cast it, um, you get to write it, you get final cut, you pick the music, you're in charge of the director so that you can come down and say, no, I don't like the way this scene's blocked. It's gonna be funnier if you do it this way. Um, and you get to run the whole shebang, right? Mm. And so that's really appealing. The danger of the job is since they said, essentially, if you're the showrunner, you can do everything. The people whose brains explode are the ones that go, all right, I'm going to do all those things, but I'm also going to do wardrobe, and I'm also going to stand on set and make sure no one changes and to also, and I'm also going to do props, (laughs) and I'm going to do, you know, and... Those are the people that sometimes they melt. Sometimes they're viewed as kind of tyrants, you know, like, you know, Aaron Sorkin, I think, would be one of the first people to tell you that he's hard to work with and for because, you know, every last detail, you know, um, drives him banana pants. And the job, the hard part of the job becomes whether or not you can let go of control and cede some things to talented people and I was lucky enough that we had so many talented people there. Like Carrie Bennett, the head of wardrobe, she's done a lot of shows for me after that. If I was somebody that needed to look at every T-shirt, every outfit, I think I would have you know, not made it. I would have burned out quicker. Mm-hmm. But I was lucky and said, hey, you do this, and I'll only say a word if I think it's wrong, and then I never had to say anything. So to me, yes, that's what the, the gig is great. Uh, it forces you to pick the things that you prioritize the most personally and not get lost in the things you don't care about. And the people that drown try to do everything. But even in not micromanaging, Bill, in a typical hour, you are leading a writer's room, then being called to set to watch a rehearsal for the scene being shot, then needing to go to editorial to look at a cut that has to go out to the network. Doing rewrites if jokes don't work. Right. I mean, I just remember watching you and thinking... God, I mean, and it takes a person who can multitask without going fucking nuts because it's just a lot of pressure. The hard, believe it or not, the hardest part for me, and I had a little of it with YouTube, but more with the writers, is you also become, if not a, a big brother, you know, a parent and a psychiatrist to people. And the joke was, you know, a lot of the writers stayed for five, six, seven, even eight years on Scrubs. Which is unheard of and, on shows. I didn't know it's that. It's a good gig. Yeah. I didn't Usually know that. Usually you, you, you take off, but if you're on a hit show, you stay and your salary goes up every year. And uh, the joke was that by the end, every single writer 
had been in my office emotional crying about something. You know what I mean? And Zach and Donald, you guys can't see them. They're laughing because I think they both inherently know that I'm the last person on earth that wants somebody <laughs> to be in his office. We turned you, know. you into a hugger, Bill. Bill Donald and I. <laughs> I remember when you didn't hug Donald and I, shit, Donald, and I, dude. Donald and I broke you down. I remember when you were finally like, yo, dude, come on. Let's hug. And I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, Donald and I broke him down. He was not a hugger. He was a very waspy Connecticut guy. Oh, they used to always make fun of He'd come in with some emotional thing of work or life or whatever. And I would subconsciously, with all the things on my desk, build a wall between the two of us. Almost not, you know, What's going on with you and your uh, and your, your boyfriend? <laughs> you know, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, you had uh, to do that. And you had to do that with, with everyone. And also, I think, you know, you started on Spin City where you were you were young and you had you know a legend like Michael J. Fox to to work with and to make sure he was happy. And then when when Scrubs came on and we were all unknown, did you feel a little bit of uh, an onus to keep everyone's egos in check? I mean, I would I would think that yeah, you I to- I really wanted to keep people's egos in check because I in between you know I had seen you know, how hard it is when certain things hit you. You know, I was on the first year of Friends and I actually empathized with actors and actresses because watching how, you know, that group of kids, their kids, how their lives all changed so fast, sometimes to the better. And, you know, you guys know this burden, nothing to complain about, but sometimes in complicated ways. So, yeah, it was it was really important to me to have a good culture at work, to keep everybody's egos from blowing up. And uh, I'm not... You know, I don't uh, to equate it to sports because we were talking about the Michael Jordan thing. No, I'm not Michael Jordan. But to be a leader for a group of people that they at least knew there were levels of respect you had to have for each other and ways you're supposed to behave and and that somebody would watch your back. You know, Uh, you might not be a Michael Jordan, but I think of you like a Mike Jaminski. <laughs> oh, Donald and I are basketball guys. It's such an insult, man. That is that the 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 problem is is that the, that's the only basketball guy he knows. No, listen. When my father, um, of a certain age, my father would drag me to the New Jersey Nets games, and so I only know whatever year that was. That team: Daryl Dawkins, Mike Jaminski, Otis Birdsong. Um, so whenever I have to make a basketball reference, I'm still like, oh, you mean like Otis Birdsong? <laughs> do you know? Uh, do you know Daryl Dawkins' uh, nickname? Yeah, he, he does broke, not. Uh, wait, he I'll does get not. It. Um, um, he does not. Chocolate Thunder. Okay, Chocolate not Thunder. Bad. And he used and to break backboards. Yes, and you know why I care? Because there was a pitch that we were really trying to do. I don't know, don't know why we got bogged down in it, but it lived for the better part of two years. That everybody wanted Daryl Dawkins to be Nurse Roberts' ex-husband. <laughs> oh, that would have been awesome! Oh man. God rest his soul, but that would have been awesome if he was on the show. That would have been the best day ever. That would have been, oh, that would have been a highlight for me. Oh, my God. It, it was so, look, it, it sucks because it breaks, it sounds like it breaks down on male-female dynamics because there's a lot of guy sports fans in there. But it was one of those things that a lot of the great female writers on that show were like, I don't understand. Why do you want this former seven-foot-tall NBA Oh, That would have been perfect. That they called Chocolate Thunder to be your ex. He's not even an actor. <laughs> Right, he's not an actor. Is he no, famous for being funny? No, he breaks he breaks backboards. Why was why am I right with the trivia that he was famous for breaking backboards? And why was why did he do that? And, and how could he do that? I don't he understand. didn't do it in person. He used to the thunder. He used to dunk so hard that occasionally yeah. when he would dunk, even just with a rubber basketball, he would a leather basketball, it would shatter the backboard. Yeah, he's, and he was the first he one to do it in games too. Yeah, he would do yeah. it in games. So what do they do? They clean like, up. 
It wouldn't. Yeah, the even, whole fans would go nuts. They'd have to sweep yeah. it up and put a new one up. It was really crazy because when Shaq broke the backboard, he just made the backboard fall to the ground. You know what I mean? Like the whole yeah. thing came down. Chocolate Thunder, when he hit the rim, that thing exploded like the Death Star, dude. It was like, wow! It was yeah. such a his. He has like two or three of them. I think two. But they were so thunderous and monstrous, man. And when he dunked it, it was so hard. And this was, before, you know, basketball is a finesse game. And, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a game of, you know, where athletes, they run real hard and then they go at this little cup and it's so, like, you know, graceful and everything like that. There was no grace in the way he slammed a basketball. You know mm, what I mean? No. It was like, wow! You know what I, I said? You know what I mean? I heard it that time. Yes, so drink! Wow, like, drink up! Bill, wow, Bill, drink the up! Bill, the fans have started a drinking game because Donald says, you know what I mean so much that uh, they're drinking every time he says, you know what I mean? I, I would force people. Oh, by the way, I want to say two things. One to that, one to the other. You guys can see the connection to how much fun it would have been for JD to want to call Turk as one of his many nicknames, Chocolate Thunder. <laughs> and then Nurse Roberts doesn't like it. And then you guys don't know why she doesn't like it. And it's because the man that left her is Chocolate Thunder Daryl Dawkins. <laughs> oh, my God. It must have been so late in the night in the writer's room when you guys were wrestling with that. Just hours. How do we, re how do we reach? By the way, and by the way, I'm sure he was a lovely man, but there's no doubt in my mind that while he's alive, if he had showed up, first of all, if he had gotten that call, he would have been like, they want me to do what? Be on Skype? Because I don't think I ever saw him like on Love Boat or on any shows. Right. No. He's, he wasn't he, an they actor. Want me to, they want me to come out of retirement to do something I've never done before and play a nurse's husband? All right. You would have had to break a backboard or something. I think um, people should also drink... Anytime, Zach, and I've only heard it three or four times, uh -oh. that you say one of the things that you would always say to sum up the show in the voiceovers at the end, because it's become part of our lexicon. And one of them, I heard you going, at the end of the day, it was so funny <laughs> to me, because you're talking about Scrubs in an episode that if you listen to it goes, at the end of the day, all you can really hope. And then you go, at the end of the day, you know what we... So any 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 scrubs at the end of the day type things. Okay, and I also had day. another drinking game idea for people. You're going to get shit-faced listening to this podcast, but I got really excited in this episode when I, when I had a Snoop Dogg intern sighting, and I thought it might be fun for fans to also do a shot every time you see Snoop Dogg intern resident attending. Well, it should yeah, turn that. into... It should start with Snoop Dogg, but then once you know Mick Head shows up and 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 Beard That's Fassay, Colonel Doctor, That's Colonel, Colonel Doctor. Doctor, oh man, by the God way, you guys realize, too, man, Colonel Doctor, what, oh Colonel my Doctor gosh. passed away, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Colonel yeah. Doctor, just so everybody knows, is called Colonel Doctor because he looks like the Colonel from Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> yeah, and my favorite thing about that—that's why you think he's. I mean, it's funny that that's his nickname, Colonel Doctor, and his name turns out to be Coleman Slosky, which is coleslaw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Here's what I like. The, my favorite thing that you guys all liked, that Zach is the first one kind of that he uh, noticed, was he had all these great background performers, and we wanted the consistency of recognizing nurses and doctors, and so he tried to have the same people come back. And then because they were around, whether it was uh, Coleman Slosky or Dr. Mickhead, who ultimately, I think, murdered his spouse and gave yeah. the murder. Yeah, on the and, show, yes. Yeah, and uh, uh, Colonel Doctor and... Um, Snoop Dogg, um, Beard Facet. And the, and the world's oldest intern, uh, Gloria. 
I think it's yeah, uh, there was an, there really, was a, but the point is that even amongst <laughs> the background people, they became tears like a call sheet. And I started noticing that I'd come into like the background holding area and there'd be all the background and then there'd be the king shit background of those yeah. four doing yeah. the equivalent of like drinking martinis as the ones that had been <laughs> the ones that have names to sit yeah. around going like, we're fucking, we're ruling this world. And I loved right. it, man. Yeah. Yeah. What was really cool was when you would trust them with lines and stuff like that, and they would deliver. Like, I remember Mickhead had so many lines, and you gave him a storyline and everything. And it was because you were like, yo, he delivers every time I give him something. Every He's time I give him something. Cat, man. Yeah. Well, he a lot of those was... folks were, were actors. They just hadn't had a, had a break yet. And, you know, like, like any group of actors, some could act and some couldn't. But I think Mickhead was one that was actually really good. He, yeah, his his backstory was Frank's backstory was a fascinating. He was a paid screenwriter that none of his, even though he'd sold a bunch of movies, none of them ever got made. And you eventually reached the end of that career and he was still plugging away writing and uh, came by to make dough. And then when he was doing it, he at least had a knowledge of film enough, you know, that he was good and subtle. And he's like, what are you making me into an actor for? This is not my plan. It was really fun. Well, and Manly yeah. Henry de- delivered one of the greatest lines in Scrubs history, where my hose at. <laughs> I haven't seen them. I haven't seen. I, you them. know, I play golf with Mickhead quite a bit. We play. That's one of my golf buddies, and he still writes books. He's a novelist. You know, he writes cool. novels with his with his wife, and it's say it's hi for awesome. me, man. He was a nice man. Yeah, I will. I definitely will. Let's take All a right. break. We'll be right back after these fine words. Can I rant for a second, please? Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some random hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized that people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. That's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know that feeling when you just have something you need to get off your chest? It's like a rain cloud following you around in your life. People all carry around different stressors, big and small. Everyone has stress, but we all handle it differently. When you keep your emotions bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. We talk all the time about how much therapy has benefited us. Therapy isn't just for those who have experienced a major life trauma. Therapy can help everyone with daily challenges with friends, family, and other relationships. If you're thinking of starting therapy, you should start with BetterHelp. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash RealFriends today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash real friends. Hey, listeners, it's been over a year since my family switched to our first Helix sleep mattress. And let me tell you, we've never slept better at my house. If you're still sleeping on an old school spring mattress, you're not getting your best night's sleep. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including their award-winning Lux and Ultra Premium Elite collections. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to 
test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress, depending on the model. Don't want to take my word for it? Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash realfriends. That's helixsleep.com slash realfriends. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Tacovas are one of my favorite boot brands. They're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've made some innovations in comfort, style, and service. These boots are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. Whenever I slip on my Tacova's boots, I feel the cowboy magic, Donald. They're tough enough for getting dirty, but classic and stylish enough for a night out on the town. If you ever wonder if you can pull off cowboy boots, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas. You'll see. They'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear. If you can't make it into a store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com and point your toes west. As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovas has said they will throw in one of their best selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on Tacovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R E A L. F-R-I-E-N-D-S. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code REALFRIENDS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at Tacovas.com. Okay, okay, so we're, we're back. back. Yeah. Uh, oh, so- yeah. No, Bill, it's mm-hmm. <laughs> No, no, no. Mm-hmm. And we don't do the full song at the commercial breaks, Bill. Right. It does just- the song start whenever I say five, six, seven, eight? I want to yeah, see unfortunately that. Unfortunately, it does. Five, six, seven, eight. Dan's got his finger on the trigger. And whenever you say five, six, seven, eight, he hits it. Please don't say five, six, seven, Stop eight again. Six. Stop saying five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> That's my favorite. He should Dan should just be contractually obligated to do it whenever he hears that. Yeah. Five, six, seven, eight. Dan, whenever he, Dan, oh, he, he started it. He started it. Dan, I have the power to say cut it. <laughs> All right, Donald, you were going to start us off. We're, we're we're forty minutes in. We should probably talk about the TV show. Okay. Yes. So first of all, uh, whiny dancer was pretty good. I'm going to put that yes. out there. I thought I that was a very funny nickname. Yes. I laughed yes. very hard at that. And I was yes. mad that it didn't stick. But Scooter, short for Scooter Pie, is even is even funnier because he hates Scooter Pie. There's two things. It was hard for me to watch that story because, A, Neil Flynn is funnier than the material we gave him. You know what I mean? In that one. Because we could have done much funnier stuff with your nickname. Uh, and then, B, is I don't know why he's eating a popsicle in that <laughs> next one. Although he, seemed, he, seemed, he seemed to want to be eating it, which made me really laugh. And then the third one is I remember that because we were, you know, strapped for figuring out a moment uh, at, at the end when someone finally calls you Scooter, which is a moment I do like. Uh, and I go, let's reveal Neil. And he's like, how should I celebrate? I'm like, I don't know, do some kind of dance or Irish jig or something. <laughs> and that made me laugh out loud because he committed to it. And he did. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, good God. Yeah. He could really, he could, but did, did Neil just pull out an Irish jig? Because it looks pretty good. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think that he. We had planned that, you know. And I, and then we put the music to it. Yeah, we put the music to it afterwards. It was really. He went funny. straight river dance. He went straight yes. river dance. <laughs> that made me uh, laugh. That was funny. Now uh, before that's that, also not us at that beach, by the way. Yeah, that I was going to ask you. I don't those doubles because that's not my hair, and I didn't know if that, that was your head or not. My head also. Yeah, no, I think we went and got that without you guys. Okay. But Donald's double is good. My my. No, I, it's I, not. It doesn't look like my head. I'm my head going is very to unique. I'm Don't going do that. to it. No, I'm Don't going do to that. it. Donald, Don't that do looks it. like your head. I'm at 444 seconds if you're following along. I wish it was my head. I it wish is it was so my head. not you guys, A. And B, you guys, this is the showrunner issue. I don't know if you guys have this. The unfun thing about watching these shows for me is that I just watch them for all the mistakes I made, especially early. And like even that stupid fantasy, I didn't have a frontal shot coming back on you two, like to flash out of it. So it was a weird transition. I'm like, oh right. man, I screwed that up too. Right. So well, they're I, still I, at the I, stage. I, I, think this is, I think this is such a funny episode. I laughed so many times in this episode. So well, do you guys looking, watch what it you and see, hate, What hate you see is, is your mess ups. What I see is, you know, I, that, that's how it all, I feel like that's how it always is with people. You know what I mean? Like we, we make things and then we find the flaws in them. But if you sit back and let other people tell you how amazing it is, you'll be like, Really? I didn't see it. You know what I mean? I laughed. I said it again. That's another one. Oh, drink. Bill, I laughed that you chose smooth jazz for when we're uh, sitting on the bench. Unless that's another track that's been uh, changed. But when I I heard it. I don't know, but I didn't remember it. (laughs) Look, I had my first weird thing. I was giving you guys shit here at home for not remembering any of this stuff. And uh, I wrote this script by myself, like at home, to catch us up. And uh, uh, I didn't remember writing it. I didn't even remember what it was about until I watched it. Wow. It was really weird. So is that wow. what ju- – just talk to that for a second. See? So so when you're the showrunner, you're overseeing uh, uh, your writing staff uh, having episodes, and then, of course, you end up rewriting them a lot yourself. But when you said you wrote this to catch up, just to explain that to people. Uh, the uh, – you know, you – in comedy staffs especially, someone will go out and write a draft. The whole staff will help kind of – you know, you'll outline it and do all that stuff. The whole staff will help kind of punch it up. And uh, um, and then the showrunner of any show that you've ever loved will usually do a pass of it before it shoots, you know, just n- not just out of arrogance, but out of wanting the show to sound like it's from that one distinct voice. That's why people over the years, you know, they noticed when the showrunner on one of their favorite shows left for a year, how it suddenly sounds different, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, when you get caught and behind in writing, you know, when you look at all the different stages, Outline, which has to be approved by the showrunner, uh, draft, which gets notes from the showrunner, um, rewrite with the whole s- staff, which the showrunner does. You know, what I mean, uh, it's you often can catch back up if you're behind writing. If as the showrunner, you're like, hey, while we're all doing this, I'll outline one on my own and write it and then just drag all you this whole gang in to punch it up really quick and then we'll shoot it. Yeah. You know, and so that was one of those <clears throat> one. And sometimes those to tell you the truth in a weird way sometimes those aren't those aren't as good as other episodes because oh, showrunners so don't have to listen to other people's input right. and sometimes and, and sometimes instead of the whole group punching it up you'll just hand it in and go that's done now we're as long as we don't spend four days trying to make it better we're back on on timing again you know make right. 24 episodes this year well you nailed it with this one man this one has everything that you're looking for from you know, from the drama to the comedy, this was, I, I laughed so many times at this episode. Um, there was a I, couple of things I really liked in it, mate. You know, at, one, and, and, and at, one, 
at one fourteen, Neil is just boring a giant hole in the reception desk for no for no apparent reason. I I, I was trying to think about what what Neil's doing. With no, that. you know what you know what that's for. This is what you'll see early on, and you guys should look for it. There are certain things that exist solely because directors, once they knew that they were allowed to have fun visually, you know, on this particular show, would work backwards from the shot they wanted. So that, right. without a doubt, was somebody working backwards from. In the script, JD going, hey, uh, and the janitor turning and being imposing. Right. Do you know what I mean? Saying, oh, you know what would be cool is this giant 10-foot drill in JD's face. <laughs> I know. I know. But I'm just laughing. At, I'm just laughing because I like to just rationalize things. I'm like, what, what What? assignment did he have with that drill and that reception desk? What's, I guess he was adding a new hole for a new phone line or something. Well, dude, we, we used to get – it's so funny. If you think about this in terms for writers, at first it would annoy us when we would see, you know uh, – what directors came up with for like, why is the janitor there? How is he going to be imposing? And then when we would get trapped, we'd start making jokes out of it. And one of my favorite ones, we needed the janitor in there and we didn't know why. And so we had him say, I don't really have anything to do. I'm mopping the rug. And then I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't know, if, you, I don't know if you guys remember then the rest of that scene, when you guys walked across that rug, you would hear squishy sounds. <laughs> Like why is that guy mopping the rug? I love that Anyways. Neil would Neil would take it seriously, and he'd be like, "I, I, why would my character be mopping in in a carpeted room?" Um, yeah, the, you know, it's just <laughs> everybody wants their motivation. You know what of I mean? Of course. But Donald pointed out, I think, and Donald, it was you who mentioned that. You know, I never realized either, but the janitor feels like he's a pretty good janitor, right? I mean, he's yeah, yeah. absolutely. I never realized until rewatching it, but like, even though he spends his entire existence fucking with me. He, you know, he, he does his best. He's a, pretty much a one-man band, except for that 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 crazy- Troy. Name. Troy. Oh, my God. Nice pull. Yes. Except for uh, Troy. And then um, uh, yeah. Martin. Yeah. Troy was the best <laughs> because Troy frustrated the janitor to no end. And my favorite thing was when Troy's like, I'm going to go beat you up. He's like, that's not how we do it, man. That's not how we do it. <laughs> it was literally like, we're better than that. Ah, uh, man. I, I enjoyed working with Flynn. Um, uh, I forgot about the frozen effect thing, Bill, and it's really cool. It's at uh, 243. It's really done well, and I don't even remember how he pulled that off, but the foreground and background are frozen. Yeah. And and uh, whoever that was executed was really good. And then we go to the guy who's – then on the other side of things, we go to the guy who's just frozen and doing a horrible job trying to be frozen without any I know. You, you know. You know what's really interesting is that one of the things you'll see in the first year – much like the sound effects that you guys notice as they're drifting away. I think they're almost gone. I'm hoping. They're we close. Keep laugh- we keep laughing that, uh, that that you say they're almost going away, and then we hear and like, then they're, they're big time. <laughs> jingle bells, yeah, jingle bells with bell- 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 But the, the other thing that you have to look for is um, we used to, because writers love to procrastinate, we used to have hours of talks about rules, you know, and the rules of the world. Um, and... Uh, uh, this broke one of them, and we made it right after this. Was you can't still be in a fantasy after you're out of a fantasy. Oh, you know, interesting! Then, interesting! Wow! Yeah, after you flash out, it has to be real. The one, the conversation that tortured people forever, and we didn't show the answer to it till like the sixth or seventh year is when JD has these long fantasies. What's he doing? Is he just standing there? <laughs> yeah, what's happening? And, uh, and eventually, eventually, we had you and talking to the Todd in like the sixth or seventh year. Uh, when you go, uh, uh, oh, that makes me think about trolls, and you go like this, and then Rob stands there <laughs> for the better part of like 30 seconds. 
And then you're like, and that's why you shouldn't buy blah, blah, blahs. Uh, right. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, you started. It's funny because last time you were on, we talked about how when I when I came out of a fantasy, I had agreed to buy Nurse Roberts' dead husband's bowling sh- shoes. Yes, and and I didn't know because I was in a fantasy land. But I forgot you didn't really keep that that little thing going. That all, no, that would have been, have... been a funny runner if like JD because he's in a fantasy ends up agreeing to all this random shit. We didn't have any of the rules yet, man. And we were trying, people used to argue all, like the biggest argument that you guys can look for in the writer's room and it ate up hours the first year was, was JD's voiceover omniscient? Did he know what was going on in the other stories and could narrate them? Or did we have to write it so general as if he's talking about himself, but doesn't know about those stories? And it used to drive people insane. Right. Were we a hit at this time? Were, at this point, were we like, did we get the back nine at this point? Had we yeah, had yeah, the first, the, the show, uh, the show did so well coming out of the gate the first year that um, it was considered a hit. And then the second year, they made a mistake, in my view. And uh, the first year of the show, it was sometimes increasing on its lead in and just crushing and we were following Frasier, if I'm right, at this point. They, right? they should have kept it there forever. Mm-hmm. And then the set, they said, it's such a big show for us. Next year, we're going to put it after Friends. And the combination of no show could retain 85% of Friends' um, uh, audience. It was a cultural, you know, uh, lightning bolt. And so, you know, we were like the, uh, the eighth-ranked show in the country. But they were like, you're only retaining like 67% of their audience. So... We're, uh, and just so you know, anytime they want to do a 40 minute episode, we're going to make it supersized and you guys will be moved or not on or whatever. And uh, they never, they should have, they didn't own the show. They should have put us after friends and left us there in perpetuity. The show would have been bigger and bigger. But instead, they put 9,000 different shows, one after another after friends, each time pulling them when they don't get the same ratings as this giant monster juggernaut and never established a new successful show after that show mm-hmm. in its entire existence. Yeah. Wow. You, you know, not only that, it was also the end of Friends too, And then Joey came right after that. And then we followed Joey for a little bit. And we I followed remember, yeah, it didn't work either. Yeah. No, yeah. We followed Joey for like a little bit. And then, and then that for the, was it. For those of you who don't know what the, what the network's, want, and Bill, please correct me if I'm wrong, is they want you to hold, that is to say, keep 85% of the lead-in show's audience, which is pretty impossible if it's Friends and it's the biggest show ever. And if you go below that, then they kind of start thinking about moving you or losing you, right? Well, right. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the only difference is they would have let, because the show is so well-reviewed and was doing really well, if they owned our show, this is all boring business, they would have kept us on there forever going, hey, we'll keep this on forever and make tons of money for ourselves. But since they didn't own it, the second it didn't immediately become bigger than Friends, they said, "Let's try some shows that we own to see if they become bigger than Friends." And just kind of, I feel like that was. I feel like Friends was the end of TG of of not TGIF, but that Thursday night lineup. Must see, too. must see Thursday, must see, must see Thursday. Thursday. I feel like that yes was and no, the end yes of, and no, know, because you'll like this. I, you guys should get it. And I interrupt. I'm sorry, Donald, but Jeff right. Gold, who is an NBC exec has a must-see Thursday poster in his office that he's proud of when it was us, 30 <coughs> Rock, The Office, and Parks and Rec were all Thursday. And that's wow. that was a cool that was a cool lineup. Yeah. At one point that was a Thursday night? I think it was I can't remember if I have the no, it might have been Earl, but it was us, 30 Rock, Office, and um either Earl or you know, but it was he's like that was total a total must they were still doing 
um, that's a pretty TV. good must see Thursday, man. That's a yeah. pretty must see Thursday. Should we talk about shows. Nicole pretty Sullivan, good, guys? Sure. Absolutely. Bill, tell us about uh, obviously, you know, a lot of people know knew Nicole Sullivan from Mad TV, and how did how did you choose her? Were you friends with her? She was obviously yeah, hilarious. she's another. You know, we brought people through our world that were friends of mine that I knew were super talented. Um, we wanted to have her um, in this world because not only is she really funny, but we we knew she could actually act. Yeah, and we had you know kind of uh, the idea beforehand whether it was with Brendan Fraser or her or Mrs. Wilk, that there were sometimes patients that we would say, let's bring them in and know that they're going to come back, you yeah. know? And so we didn't know right then that Nicole was going to die, but we knew she was going to come back. And uh, uh, so we were setting her up for the crap that, you know, journey that her person went down, you know, yeah. um, in a cool way. I think the most fun way to do that, Donald said something about it, is you sneak it up on people. You introduce somebody as something that's just going to be funny and a goof to see them, and you get people emotionally invested. Yeah. So when their stuff, when the wheels come off, people are just you know emotionally affected by it. Yeah. That that was something that you know, uh, and, and it just shows how great of a writer you are. You know, I'm sure you 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 know this already, but he does like he does. a like a like a Michael Jaminski of writing almost. You you would give everybody clues. The clues are there. And if you're really paying attention, you know, if you're really, really paying attention when it happens, it's not that big of a surprise. Like it's for we foreshadowed so much. Yeah, you talked about that and I really appreciated it because the way our staff worked that I thought was cool before in the pre-production every year before we wrote episodes, we talked about what big things, you know, arcs and stuff we wanted to do. Like we'd say, hey, um, we want Turk and Carl to get engaged, but we want it to be a little bit of a rocky road. And then we would work backwards. Same way we'd go, hey, we want Johnny C to end up with his ex who he's never moved past. Now he's a more mature son. We work, work backwards. We're going to kill Brennan Fraser. Let's work backwards. And then it would almost seem when we're doing these initial episodes, since we'd already plotted out these arcs, it was very easy to go... All right, so if Nicole Sullivan's going to eventually die um, and uh, let's establish her here as a fun neurotic person that you think is just being kind of a hypochondriac and then – do you know what I mean? So it, 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 it is set up because we were working backwards from the big episodes that we wanted to accomplish. It was part of the uh, fun. Yeah. That's good writing to me. That's Because whenever you can look back and say to yourself, oh, it was there and I didn't see it, Right. I feel like, you know – Kaiser Soze, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is the it's the trick of it all. That's the trick is that is you know you're not gonna the audience isn't gonna have the heartbreak for an asshole. You know, they, you got to have the audience fall in love with them and go, oh, I love I, this girl. She's wacky. She's silly. She's I, I want to be her friend. She's you want to you want to fall in love with the person before Bill kills them. <laughs> it was the it was the the one trick we went back to a lot. It was too mean. Was. We knew in 22 minutes it was too hard to get people to love someone and then kill them. So we're like, all right, let's bring them into another story. And our goal is not only to do a, su a successful story, but make people like this person so that when they die, we're uh, uh, um, screwed. The only time we thought we pulled it off that we killed someone people cared about in one episode, it ties to this one because this is me being a dummy. So Nicole Sullivan, you know, one of the bridesmaids at my wedding, old friend, 
she I'm not good at naming characters, so she played Jill Tracy. And uh, and then I didn't realize till later, Jill Tracy, who's Tim Hobart, the executive producer, one of them, um, uh, a great actress in her own right. Not only had I not put her on the show, but I named another character after her. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody else played it. So then Jill Tracy came and played uh, the woman who died in a Broadway musical waiting for yeah, my real life to begin. Episode. That's a great episode. On a clear, Colin. Uh, Colin hey, Colin, hey, on yeah. a clear day when I, I can see, see a very long way. The uh, so, anyways, it, it so did like, she call my, my, you? Did did real Jill, Jill Tracy call you? And was she like, um, hey. no? Tim's just such a good buddy. Uh, I realized it, at, you know, as it happened, and I'm like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. We got to make sure we get you in there. And she was luckily. Also a Broadway level singer and had done musical yeah. theater her whole life. You know, she was great. Hey, I'm looking at these Blackberries, and I remember that this was like the time that Blackberries came out. And Bill, as I recall, you gave us all our first Blackberries as a present. Yeah, I gave them to everybody as a Christmas gift. And I have a yeah. memory. I remember of like we were like, "What is this?" So you you can <laughs> type on it. That, yeah, that I I wrote that down. Nicole Sullivan says email as we're talking. That kind of dates the show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know it was so weird. This was the, the, just uh, right I, when they all came out. I mean, that's we were like state of the art. She's got a state of the art gadget. Getting back to the show, that was one of my favorite things because we really wanted everybody had their thing to overcome on this show, and we really wanted Sarah Chalk's character to overcome how hard she always is on herself, um, and you know how much she buries herself psychologically in an unhealthy way with all of her work and. My favorite scene in this, besides the Judy and, and Zach one out in the rain, was Sarah and Johnny C with Johnny C doing some really subtle stuff when he says, go ahead and make your case why Jill Tracy can stay in the hospital. And Sarah is saying, you know, sometimes you get overwhelmed and it's this and this. And John McGinley is without doing anything big, proving to her that she does the very same thing to herself. I love that moment. Yeah. And the reason I loved it as a writer was it wasn't something that Sarah was necessarily doing in this episode, but she had done it in every episode up to this one. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote that down. That, 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 that's such a great moment. That scene is so awesome. And Sarah pulls it off really well where she's talking about, you know, she's talking about Nicole's character and then, and then, you know, Johnny says, but have you looked at how you, have you looked at yourself? I know I'm a skank. And then she's <laughs> going back. <laughs> yeah. Then she's like, and she's like, and now she'll do anything. She's such a people pleaser for anyone. I think he says, will you go clean up my dog's shit and take it to I the vet? I can do it at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> she's really good in that scene. Oh, but it cuts right from that into you pulling up in the cab. With, and that's where I got pissed off because right there, bu, 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 you're like, no, bu, not now, no! Jan. <laughs> but it's but it marries so well, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's drink so up. And by the way, and then the, the pairings I mean? we did I mean? in this one, the pairings we did in this show, made me think of another question I answered for you guys in a previous episode because I believe Kelso calls you Turk in this episode because you guys are having a battle. And well, he did it in, always, a, in another episode too. He did it, in but the that's EKG. why it's important. It's important to know that that's why we do believe he thinks your name is Turkleton, but that's why we got to the logic with the writers that he thinks your name is Turk Turkleton. <laughs> when we said, when we said, you know, he thinks your name is Dr. Turkleton, 
you know, in the writers, you fight about everything. Writers' room. A lot of the writers were like, he can't. He's called him Turk before. And then somebody's like, well, then he thinks his name is Turk Turkleton. <laughs> That's one of the best rem- And to this day, to this day, to this day, there are a lot of there are a lot of Scrubs fans that know, you know, Christopher Turk is the name, but there are some that honestly believe Turk Turkleton is the character's name. <laughs> you know what else, by the way, came up randomly is somebody asked me after why you were named Gandhi, like why Dr. Cox name checked you as Gandhi. Because I was a bald head guy. It wasn't just that. It was because I was concurrently looking at cartoons and okaying the character design with Chris and Phil for Clone High. And the Gandhi character, they had him with a hip goatee because he was a young teen version and whatever. And I'm like, oh, shit. We should call Kirk Gandhi. I I do. We're definitely going to talk about that right now. Let's just go to commercial real quick. Okay. Sure. We'll be right back. We're going to go to commercial. Five, six, seven, eight. No, Bill. Stop it. Hey, listeners, it's been over a year since my family switched to our first Helix sleep mattress. And let me tell you, we've never slept better at my house. If you're still sleeping on an old school spring mattress, you're not getting your best night's sleep. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including their award-winning Lux and Ultra Premium Elite collections. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10 to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress, depending on the model. Don't want to take my word for it? Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash realfriends. That's helixsleep.com slash realfriends. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval term. Apply. Tacovas are one of my favorite boot brands. They're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've made some innovations in comfort, style, and service. These boots are Austin designed, Texas tested, and handmade down in the boot making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. Whenever I slip on my Tacoba's boots, I feel the cowboy magic, Donald. They're tough enough for getting dirty, but classic and stylish enough for a night out on the town. If you ever wonder if you can pull off cowboy boots, you should pull on a pair of Tacobas. You'll see. They'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear. If you can't make it into a store, 
Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tecovis has said they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tecovis.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. It's about a $30 value, and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code REALFRIENDS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at Tacovas.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, we're back. Steph is in the house, y'all. Steph is in the house. Steph, Steph is in the house. All right, Steph is in the house. <laughs> but we're just going to finish the Clone High chat. So, Steph, okay, so let's get back into Clone High. Dude, you now, had Phil and Chris done anything before this? Or, or did you uh, find they, they them? Were barely, they were barely getting their careers started. They were young animators from, for Disney that went to Dartmouth and were also very funny and were just starting their career as kind of comedy writer, animated. They'd done nothing. It was like the first project that I supervised someone else the way I was supervised. And oh now they're two guys that are going to give me and you and Steph and Joel a job eventually. They're I awesome. pray that they give me well, just a job. Explain, How about uh, that? Donald, why don't you explain uh, the context because not everyone's going to know what the hell okay, you're talking about. Okay, so Chris about. and Phil have gone on to uh, create sh- movies like 21 Jump Street, 22 Lego. Jump Street, the Lego, uh, Lego movie. movie. The best, probably the best Spider-Man movie ever Into created. the Spider-Verse, where Into they did the, the animation and everything, yeah. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Yes, they were the animators, directors, writers of that as well, yes. Yeah. They've gone on to do some amazing things, but in the beginning, before this all happened, there was a little show called Clone High, which Bill was an executive producer on, and while we were making Scrubs in the basement, they were doing all their recordings. and In the, and mental, ward, of- in the mental ward, I believe. And because well, that was the that, writer's room, yeah, we hid to save money. We hid our writing staff of that show in the hospital. And then you guys just casually started to notice other writers around the commissary every day eating. And yeah. yeah. And just hanging out. Yeah. But they put us in the show, too. So I got an yeah. opportunity to play two really cool characters in that Who show. Who were you? I was in it, too. It was George Washington Carver, which is I was a, George a Washington favorite. Carver. And I was also Toots. Who was Joan of Arc's uh, father-in-law, or something like that? Yeah, he was a or, blind, or he was a blind dad. former jazz man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. so weird because all a bunch of Clone High nerds. I, don't know if, I love Big Mouth, but Toots is very much like the jazzy ghost that they have in that cartoon Big Mouth. You know? Are you guys bringing it back in some way, Bill? 
Uh, I'm not at liberty to discuss that yet, Oh, Zach. I stumbled oh. across something top secret, audience. That would be awesome! That's a good tease. I was in it too, but I don't know who I played. Joel, no, you, you, you weren't were, in it a uh, lot. You weren't in it a lot. You I don't minimize lot. my part. I, I did occur. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, was, it was such a cool college filmmaking type atmosphere, which is what Scrubs was anyways, that you guys would be shooting scenes and we would literally go, hey, do you mind... Uh, while you're eating to walk downstairs and record a voice being a cartoon character. And you guys were all right. so nice about it. Yeah, well, it I fun. loved working on that show, man. That, that was a lot of fun. I was Paul Revere, uh, Joel is telling. So I, Paul Revere is an imp- important character, everybody. Yeah, but that was like one episode. Shut yeah, up, but then you had a bigger, you had a bigger, You had a bigger one when you were selling a weird energy paste with Sarah Chalk. Yeah. And Marilyn Manson came in and sang the Food Pyramid song. It's very weird. Yeah, dude, I just remember being. I remember being there, and this is the first time I met Mandy Moore. She did a guest spot on the show. Yeah. I met. Uh, uh, I've never Tom met her. What's Green. she like? Shall we go to Steph? Right. Yes. I met Tom Green. That was cool. That was the first time I've ever met Tom Green, and he was on fire at the time. And I Steph just was on it. Steph was on. Steph uh, was on high, I think. And, and Steph also, wasn't even we, born, I'll bet. we have a caller, guys. <laughs> Our caller has has finally. We're gonna let her talk. Okay, ladies Steph. and gentlemen, please welcome Steph. Five, There's your six, Oprah. Seven, eight. Oh, Bill, stop oh, Bill, counting stop. in. <laughs> Bill's counting into everything. Dan, turn off the fucking theme song. <laughs> Steph, at any point that you want to hear that awesome song, just say five, six, seven, eight. No, they have to no, do it. no, Steph. I might have we to have it's, 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 it's official. Anytime you say five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, it's, it's not even a, it's not so. even a decision. I mean, you guys made me ta- wait three whole minutes, so I think it's only just, right? Okay, Steph, fine, Steph. Go for it. Steph, go for it. Go, go for it, Steph. Five, six, seven, eight. Okay, but not oh, the whole song. Yeah. Not the whole song, Dan. Stop it. Stop it. We're not playing the whole song. Do you want to do the tag at the end, Steph? Do oh, the tag at the end. <laughs> I don't know yeah, how Steph, to do that. Yeah, Steph, give us the tag. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yes. You got a good voice. All right, this this has all gone to shit. Steph, what's your question? So I'm finishing up my second year of medical school, um, which is in part due to scrubs. So Aww. basically, yeah. yeah, super funny story. Um, I alluded to this in my personal statement, but left out certain details because I didn't want them to not take me seriously. But um, <laughs> basically, my mom is a surgeon. So when I was growing up, I saw like, you know, pictures of her job and stuff like that. And I thought it looked awful. I was like, I have no idea how you do what you do. She's a breast cancer surgeon. So I was like, that's disgusting. Like, how do you look at boobs all day? It's so weird. I never am going into medicine. How do and you then, look at boobs all day? That's just... <laughs> I don't know. It's easier if you're not a medical professional. Continue. I got it. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> so I started watching Scrubs maybe like... I don't even remember when, maybe in middle school. And um, I related to Elliot's character on such a spiritual level that I was like, this looks really fun. Maybe maybe I will go into medicine. And since then, kind of became more legitimate. But definitely the first thing that piqued my interest was Scrubs. So um, thank you, guys. Do you use the word frick a lot? Um, I kind of graduated to the, the you version. But... <laughs> You mean fruck. I gotta say, I only have to interject Steph because that means so much to me because we wanted to make sure that medical personnel seemed like heroes and the job seemed like fun. And I just was talking to the real JD last night uh, and his wife, Dolly, who Elliot's based on. And their favorite thing is to consider, you know, that they might have had a tiny part in some people kind of embracing medicine as a, a career because it means so much to them. That's A. And B, for those of you that are just listening, since you can't see Steph 
uh, could easily have played Elliot, just so you guys know. She, <laughs> she's Elliot-esque. She, she's Elliot-esque, uh, both in her mannerisms and her appearance. And uh, um, I almost, by the way, this is the, the thing that I have to watch out for late in life, because I'm much older than all these people, but I almost said uh, I'm here talking to a young Sarah Chalk, but Sarah Chalk's still very young, so yeah, I did yeah. not Sarah, say that. Sarah's yeah. not an old person at all. Yes. Yeah, Sarah yeah, never I mean, ages. My med school friends all tell me, um, all the ones that watch Scrubs religiously are all like, you have the same luck that she does when you guys did the episode with Sarah yeah. Chalk, how like the, the crazy stories that come out of nowhere, you're like, there's no way that happened to you on a Monday. That's uh, me. Like, oh, really? 100%. Yeah. I was watching that. I think that, that that story that Zach and Donald told led us to write a story in which he bought a new car and every 30 seconds someone <laughs> yeah. someone took another door off it. Brick on a stick with a brick. That would happen to Sarah. The best part of that episode is when the, the grumpy radiologist is like, thanks for stopping by and don't forget your car door. She's like, I didn't have anywhere else to put it. <laughs> uh, you're a fan. God, you know what? You're a, real Steph, fan. Uh, you're a real fan. This will make you laugh. And I don't even know if Donald and Zach remember it. Different things from different episodes would stick on set and people would say them over and over and I never could predict what it was. And I don't know, Zach, Donald, if you guys remember what it was from this one, but it was a, a made-up flavor of smoothie that you guys kept saying for weeks. Orange you know goo goo. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which episode is that? Oh, that's I the remember Sarah that episode. like that was the door one. What flavor do you want? I'll have a raspberry. I'll have a strawberry. I'll have an orange goo goo. I believe that came from. <laughs> I be, Bill, I, be, I be, Bill, I believe that came from in the writers' rooms. You would have the assistants do like a smoothie run, and you'd all be like calling out weird Jamba Juice flavors. Yes, and you were, you make were, up fake flavors and yeah. just to torture the poor young people working on hourly wages. Yeah, and some like, orange goo goo. I'll have an orange goo goo with uh, <laughs> with immunity. <laughs> All right, Steph, we're taking right, this on. Steph, right, come sorry. on. Come you, on. It's back your to time. Steph. It's your Ask time, it. Steph. It's your oh, time. Thanks. It's your time, Steph. Goonies. Go ahead, Steph. <laughs> so it's actually kind of perfect that Bill is here on this episode because it kind of relates to the behind the scenes part of it. Um, but since I watched the show so much, a lot of the times when I'm studying, I'll recognize words that'll like remind me of certain scenes of the show. And I know you guys talked about like trying to make it really medically accurate. It is. Um re-verifying but it's also really funny which I think is hard to do with medical vernacular if you're not really used to it so I was mm. wondering if there was a specific member of the writing team that was you know kind of crucial in making the medical scenes specifically the funny ones because I think it would be kind of hard to write if you didn't have that medical knowledge uh, I'm going to give props to first of all we have actors and actresses that can sell comedy and they were great but the real JD is, um, as I can tell by your persona, he is a guy that I would not have been surprised if he went into comedy writing. He was funny. And um, so for me, it was, it'd be interesting to even go back to all his memories. But I remember him talking about pimping, you know, uh, <laughs> when you get grilled with questions and rounds. And he would be like, I was never ready. I always felt you know, like I was a deer in the headlights. And then just from him saying that, you know, I was like, oh, JD's going to be a deer in the headlights when they ask him a question. Mm. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, uh, I, I would bet, Steph, that, that you, when you go through all this stuff, will meet it with humor and banter because if you don't, I think you go crazy. So I'd give him the props for it and the performers the props for it because they'd find ways to, to make it funny. 
You know? Bill, did, did JD ever like overstep the line? He's like, hey, Bill, I got an episode for you. Here's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, he and uh, they did two things. One, he and Dolly once said, hey, we got bored because we were both sick and stayed in all weekend. We wrote an episode. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I was like, yeah. And I, I said, of course, I'll look at it. And then they're like, nah, we're not going to show it to you. We forget it. We don't want to do that. Right? Which was super cool. Probably brilliant. Um, um, and in, in, in the movie version, it would be like the most brilliant script ever written. <laughs> I know. And then the, the other thing was to answer Steph's question, we would sometimes work backwards, you know, which was really hard because for him, because I'd go, I want to do this funny moment. We need you to say something that would cause this guy to not have a sense of smell and not blah, blah, blah. And it can't be serious enough that I have to worry about whether or not he'd die and he should still be conscious and be able to talk because he has to talk in the scene. And JD would be like, dude, this is worse than med school homework. This is impossible. <laughs> That'd be hard. One I of know, my favorite so ones, speaking of, speaking of funny medical jargon, uh, it's uh, pronounced analgesic. Uh, I can't the, believe you the, said the, that. The that is literally, <laughs> I had to give a talk to my like med school. It was one of our small groups. And they were talking about how it's so important to be able to articulate in kind of layman's terms what you're talking about. And I was like, yeah, there's a scene of Scrubs where Turk has to explain that analgesic is like not the same as analgesic don't put it in your butt and everyone was like i mean yeah i guess that works (laughs) that was uh um on my top 10 jokes that i did not write that i wish i could take credit for that's such a funny joke man don't say neil goldman whatever you do no i'm not gonna it really bums me out i think that might have even been tarsus or gabby i don't even know or hobart that sounds like a tim hobart joke too all right steph you got another question yeah um it kind of piggybacks off of the first one a little bit. Um, so you guys talked about early on in your episodes that um, you kind of work to develop this character and figure out what kind of mannerisms you wanted and all that kind of stuff. It really shows throughout the progression of the season. They kind of grow into those character traits while also still growing as people. But I find that they're really kind of congruent with how you would expect that person to act as a clinician. And I was wondering if the kind of character that you developed influenced the way that the writers wrote scenes of how you practice medicine, like later on. Uh, I'll, I'll set Donald and Zach up to talk about this, but I'll tell you my philosophy of running a TV show is, because uh, they were talking about show running earlier. So your question's awesome because... And it means a lot to me that it felt that way to you because my when I teach sometimes, like the I teach at the Writers Guild for kids running shows for the first time and stuff, I said the most successful shows in my mind, when you write the pilot and come up with it and actors and actresses don't exist, the, the characters belong to you. You invented them. And then you cast these people and... Uh, uh, when you do the pilot, the first episode, for it to be great, it's got to be a partnership. You know, it's half mine and half yours. But then for a show to work, ownership, you have to stop being a control freak and ownership has to go to the actors and actresses playing the parts. Um, and so I would ask Donald and Zach, you know, at this point in the show where they steady, you know, because what would happen is it's really cool. Eventually on good shows, people start coming up to you and going, I don't think my character would say it this way. Or are you sure this is how my character would react in this moment? Or should my character be more like this? And you on, on, on shows that are working, you have to listen. And I did you guys eventually kind of feel like those characters were yours? You know, yeah. in, in I definitely of- felt I definitely felt like Turk became uh, if not, I became Turk or Turk became me. I definitely at some point it everything 
it just seemed like I was living life on camera at some point. And yeah. what really helped me, though, was you realizing medical jargon wasn't my strength. You know what I mean? <laughs> and once really? you realize that... And I am made just so, finding that out. Right. And, and, and once you realize that and made Turk uh, just a, a, a scalpel jockey, it freed me. You know what I mean? And I didn't have to worry about having to say certain things. You know what I mean? Uh, there, drink up. I didn't have to worry about saying certain things. Uh, whereas Zach and Sarah would say, and, and Johnny would say things, and I'd be like, I, I'm so happy I don't have to do that. I remember being in the yeah. makeup chair in the morning and being like looking through the sides and being like, oh no, Donald's got a medical jargon monologue. Oh, those <laughs> would be is, the worst. Lunch is going to be late today. Yeah, those would be the worst. <laughs> those would be the worst days. But once Bill was like, I'm not going to give you medical jargon anymore. Turk, Turk knows it. He just doesn't like to use it. Right. Life became so much easier. It's a good question, though, because do you guys eventually even would start riffing your own lines? And I gladly would use them because they knew their characters and how they would react and what they would say. And uh, didn't bother me at all. It made me happy. And you're, you know, even getting to talk to the same way getting to talk to you makes me happy. I, one of the things I, mementos I have on my wall in my office from Scrubs is from a med student, Steph, who pulled an answer at rounds out of their ass because they remembered a chunk of dialogue on our show. And they said the attending was so blown away because it was a question they shouldn't have known the answer to. Do you know what I mean? And I still, yeah, I my wish mom I could says remember the same it, things about her med students that like all of the, the fact like trivia that people don't really, they're not supposed to remember, you know, years into practice because it just is, you never see it. She was like, yeah, all the med students know it because of scrubs. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. That's, that's awesome. dope. Bill, that's what kind of what kind of doctor do you want to be, Steph? I'm leaning towards surgery, but cool. we'll see. Open to anything. I think it's really, really neat, you know, that you're doing that. And uh it's a gig that's of service. It's like being a teacher, it's awesome. And the most yeah. important jobs to be of service, I think, like teacher, uh soldier, uh physician, and of course comedy writer, I would think, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Not at all. All right, Steph, thank you so much. We really that was thank you, amazing questions and also really inspired us. I mean, you made us all feel like we 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 may have inspired at least we you know we inspired at least one person, one person. to go into medicine. A right. lot, a lot. Let me uh, yeah, you guys have a huge medical fan base. Well, good luck all with right, everything. Promise me that thank you'll you. dress up and you'll dress up as Elliot for at least one Halloween. Yeah. Oh yeah, every Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and every yeah, day so whoever if 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 you have friends that go as Turk for Halloween, Tell them, please, no blackface. Yeah, um, I was about to say, they better not Please be make white. sure they're really <laughs> black because on, on Donald no, and I cringe. Even, no, they don't even have to be black. If you're going to be Turk, just, yeah. just don't paint your face. Right, okay. But Donald and I cringe every Halloween when people tag us on Instagram, like, excitedly, like, Turk and JD for Halloween. And, and still in 2020, there's still people painting their faces brown and black, and it's horrible. Although we did it a lot on Scrubs. <laughs> yeah, but oh, by the way... <laughs> One of the many things that doesn't hold up uh, in, in retrospect on the show. The yeah. uh, uh, Hey, Steph, good luck with all this stuff, and thanks Thank for saying you. all the cool stuff. And Thank if you, you don't Steph. mind. Hi, Vic and Hayden. Hope you guys are jealous. Okay. What's up, yeah, Vic, Vic and Hayden? And Hayden. Vic, Vic and, and Hayden. Hayden. Five, six, seven, eight. Oh, no! Bill, stop. No, Dan, <laughs> turn it off. Turn it off, Turn it off, you guys. Bye. Turn it off. You know, Steph. Steph thought she was just going to sneak in a Vic and Hayden uh, a quick thing, but I think we should just keep talking about Vic and Hayden. I like Vic, but I don't like Hayden. I don't like yeah. Hayden at all. I want their shout-out to go awry. Vic and Hayden shout-out? No. Yeah, I want— Let's, uh, 
Let's do a Vic and Hayden episode. Okay. We should. So at 4.44, guys, what's 444? happening? 4.44? At 4.44, what's happening Holy is mentioned. Holy cow, we haven't talked about this episode at all. I know. No, we, we have. Talk. Here's what I like. We've talked about the Sarah story, both with Steph and um, – no, We jumped around. Um, we jumped around. And we talked about the Neil, but we haven't talked about the Judy and Zach story. We're going to get into it, and we're going to get into get it. Into you know, but listen, Donald, Bill Lawrence episodes are always going to be long because he brings a lot to the table, and he's no. Very I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining about the length of the episode. I'm just okay. saying some right. people, some people want to listen to a rewatch podcast and actually rewatch the show. At well, the same then time. they should listen they to a different show. We happen to we happen to meander at four forty fucking four. Okay. what's happening is mentioned for the first time. Okay, you don't need to start banging on Jason. Yes, I did. I banged the down. table. I banged the Calm table down. on that. Calm Sorry. Down. Why am I yelling? What happens at 444? Uh, what's happening is mentioned for the very first time on Scrubs. Oh, yeah. And you guys did the dance. Yes. And we don't even ID it really. She says it's not that great a show. Oh, and we just expected right. people to know what we were talking about. And that's such an old reference. I know. And yeah. nowadays, p- kids don't even know the glory of what's happening unless you're our no. age. Hey, hey, they hey. They don't know hey. the glory of what's happening or what's happening now. I know. Do you remember what's happening now? What's happening now, Shirley owned the restaurant. They all grew up. And now Dee is not just a small character. She's like the star. No, Shirley was the star, I think, because she owned the restaurant. Everybody came back. I didn't like what's happening now as much as what's happening. Well, what's happening is I just I just liked Rerun's dance, and I liked the moment you guys did for me, which is forever. I liked, hey, 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 hey. What's What's happening, Raj? (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. Do you remember in the, in the opening credits when they made re, they, they left rerun and they, he's driving the street and then reruns just running after the pickup truck? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's rude. That's Fred rude Barry. that they did that. I know. That's, they were making fun of a heavy They were making fun of the heavy set guy. Making fun of the heavy set guy. But watching rerun chase after that truck was funny. Come on. This sure was. Because he had suspenders on. Yeah, well, that that and the hat and the and the same red. His outfit never changed. Do you oh, remember the episode awesome. where Raj uh, decided he was going to be a nude model? For My favorite thing that's happening right now is you guys said we haven't talked about the show yet, and then you're going. Do you remember the episode of What's Happening with <laughs> yeah, yeah, Raj? <laughs> By the way, and if I was like, if I was like at ten fifteen in that What's Happening episode, that's the first time that Shirley says. <laughs> I just remember. I'm just. I'll, well, we can go back to the show, but I just remember there was an episode where Raj was doing nude modeling for for artists. You know, when they like paint a yeah. nude model, and I remember thinking as a child, like, this is scandalous. Raj is going to take off his clothes, like. That's that's crazy. Okay, let's get back into the show. Okay. So let's talk about the JD and Carla storyline, which is a yeah. very interesting storyline. Yes. Because at the beginning of the show, you guys are really clicking and, and grooving. Yes. One reason, because your best friend and his now girlfriend are always, you know, we live together, or your roommate and his girlfriend uh, right. are always around. And so you guys have developed a relationship. And because of that, you're a dynamic duo of your own. You know what I mean? She doesn't work, drink up. She doesn't work for you, but you guys are a team that is very, very, very cohesive. Yeah. And you go along and you fuck it up by becoming judgmental. Right. Well, I'm, 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 every, I'm feeling everyone is being condescending to me, and, and, I, and I'm starting to become a good doctor. I'm starting to get my groove. I'm starting to know what's happening. 
and uh, and all of a sudden, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> okay, go on. Um, and 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 I just you know like like someone does you, you lose he loses his temper and of course he loses the temp his temper at the worst person possible his teammate uh, Carla. Yeah, this was also a product. The reason I wrote this is is interesting. It's a product of two things. One, all the nurses that were nice enough to give us interviews. You know, one of the stories that you saw was the nurses are essentially the last line of training. You know, for a lot of these medical students and residents and interns and stuff. Because when you first show up, you know more than they do. We even say it in the show, then the training kicks in and the dynamic shifts. Mm. Um, and, you know, so many of them ultimately um, um, told us that it's so interesting how to navigate that because, you know, there is an air of superiority to some doctors, you know, when they get to that point and it messes up that dynamic, you know. And uh, I wanted to combine that with my personal life my mom's family, my mom, and then me were the first two on her side of the family to go to college, you know? And then you always kind of enter these dynamics of like, oh, you know, you think you're smarter than me because you actually went on to secondary education and did that stuff. And, you know, as you get older, you realize that doesn't have anything to do with anything. You know, uh, at this point in my life, um, I know tons of geniuses that didn't finish high school and tons of, you know, grad school graduates, they're the dumbest people alive. Do you know what I mean? But uh, uh, around youthful things, that kind of carries there. And um, my favorite part of that stuff was her challenging you to admit it and you actually admitting it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And uh, that was what enabled you guys still to be friends, I think. I hope. That scene was really, I mean, Judy's, I'm just you know, the straight man in that scene, her, her performance in that rain outside the bus, I thought was just incredible. She did such a, a beautiful job and it was heartbreaking. Still to this day, I'm watching it and, and was so moved by, 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 by how heartfelt and open she was. Uh, and uh, I wrote down, because this is what we wanted to do that people didn't understand at comedy, uh, comedy at the time and why Judy Reyes was so perfect, you know, because there weren't a lot of dramedies on. And one of my favorite jokes in this episode was when before you get off the bus, she's leaving and she's like, I'm so mad at you. And you said, uh, you, you can't, you forgave me. You can't just change your mind. And without selling it as a joke, she's like, have you never met a woman before? And she walks out <laughs> into the rain. Do you know what I mean? And it wasn't read like a punchline. It was read like, yeah, you can still be funny in drama and amongst pathos when you're feeling bad. And that was like the tonal stuff. That's why she's so good, man. Because she's uh, always so real. Very, very, very good actress. Yeah. I look back at it like I had no clue how much of a powerhouse she was or or is, I should say. And when I watch these episodes, uh, you know, I said it in our first podcast, her and Ken, wow, really, they're really MVPs of our show. You know what I mean? Uh, drink up. Yeah, they can just uh, you don't, you don't, good you don't, actors. You don't have to tell people to drink when you say, you know but what I'm I mean? But I'm just, I know, I understand. They're just going to do it. They're just going to do it. I know, but I'm bringing, it. I'm bringing it to my attention that I said it. Also. This is the most you've ever done, by the way. You went from the previous episode being conscious of it and doing none to this one doing like 30. I, I, you know what I mean? I, I probably said it several times in the last episode also. All, I, this episode's also about uh, how how important your name is. Regardless of if it's Bambi or JD or yeah. your Scooter. reputation or Scooter, whatever it is, your reputation is very important. And you only get one chance to make a first impression. 
And after that, people will have judgments of who they think you are. Mm -hmm. And this episode really touches on that. Here's the thing I screwed up in this episode off what Donald is saying bothers me. What Dr. Cox's character does to JD, you know, of shaming him uh, was so bad that it bummed me out that he never got his comeuppance for that. Do you know what I mean? Because you didn't tell her to go protect you. And then he makes everybody stop and goes, we're all to be super special to this little flower, you know? And I, I thought that was so egregiously mean, you know what I mean? Uh, but his character, I guess, was flawed. But we should have gotten him, have him make amends for that or get thumped for that. Mm-hmm. But boxing fantasy was pretty funny, though. Johnny that, C. All oiled up. I, uh, I'm about to say, holy cow, how I much oil it. did he have on? I, well, there was uh, a lot of oil. I remember that was a lot, a lot of Crisco, of yo. Oh. Guys, I watched Crisco. it. I watched it with Krista, who had to do all of her romance scenes with Johnny C. And uh, and she will eventually, you know, be on your. You're so nice about her too. Yeah, uh, we want her on. We definitely want but you she, on, Krista. He came. He came on as a punching bag, and she was half asleep. We were upstairs in the room, and, and she goes. uh, half drowsy here it comes all oiled up <laughs> and then he is just just glistening with Johnny Crisco. C has a full bottle of Crisco oil on let's be honest though he's ripped he looks he's great. ripped he, he looks, looks amazing yeah like he doesn't so even, much I don't even think it's drawn on oh you know what I wanted to say and I wanted to tell me if you guys thought this in real life when I say that uh, is what I wrote the last thing I wrote down about Judy when I say, like, when you get really lucky, it's not the writing or anything else. It's all, it's, it's everything. And the casting, people have to really nail, you know, these characters and be who they are. And the amazing thing watching Judy back then, you guys, Zach and Donald, were such kids. And um, Sarah's character and Sarah felt like a kid. And Judy, and this is one of the reasons I think the show works, she was not significantly, she's essentially the same age as all you guys, but she seemed like such a grown up. Even yeah, from the she start. Was definitely way more mature than we were. You know, Absolutely. and seemed like such an adult that it made the show work of like, oh, one of these four is, you know, old for her years and an adult already. Whereas Judy is the you know, she could have easily on a different show been Elliot or been, mm. you know, the little kid, you know? And so it was uh was she like that in real life or yeah. she just that good in actress? Real, in real life, Judy was way more mature than the three of us. I think we were we were just as silly and goofy as our characters. And, you know, Judy was funny and would play along with us, but I think she was definitely more mature than us. Absolutely. By the way, there's a really funny, there's a really funny fuck up, uh, Bill. At 12.03, when Donald runs into the room that Kelso's lured him to, you can yeah. totally see a hand that's come in and it's on the floor and it's holding the door open. That's and, hysterical. Uh, and uh, it made me think. Now we probably, paint shit like that out. I know. I know. I know. Nowadays we just, you know, paint it out. But it made me think it was probably Patrick Bolton or something lying on the floor. Oh, Patrick. Uh, Shout out Patrick Bolton. Patrick Bolton was the onset dresser. If it has and, wheels, that thing will be on set. I enjoyed, uh, after hearing the interesting thing you guys both said about eating, I think I've never seen the two of you do more eating in an episode Zach having to jam a cupcake in your mouth. Right. Donald just wolfing sandwich. Did you guys really eat that stuff or were you just spitting it out as soon as they said cut? I do love a sandwich. I'm not going to lie. Well, I do and love also, a, sandwich. a cupcake doesn't count, Bill. If someone says, we yeah. need you to jam this cupcake in your mouth, you're going to do it. I mean, that's your excuse. Yeah, you and also, it was, that, it was that cheap cupcake. What are those called? Um, Ho Hostess cupcakes? Ho -ho or, uh, no, Susie Susie Dings. Said it. Ding dongs. That was a ding dong. Ding -dong. Listen, I'll tell you something right now. You put some cold cuts, some cheese in between, mm, some hero sandwich. bread. Yeah. That sounds delicious to me. You could put some lettuce, tomato on it. I'll eat that shit. 
And um, another another strike at the janitor not speaking to anyone in season one, Bill, is that he clearly has told Dr. Cox to call me Scooter at the end. I don't know what you're talking about. He never, ever <laughs> spoke to anybody except JD and Z. Donald and I have been going through like detectives going, tr- we're trying to keep the janitor lore alive for season one. It's alive. It's but not the true. facts, what you the said facts is not are true. the facts are problematic. Track. The facts it are problematic, it Bill. It doesn't. We've done all the work, just like Turk Turkleton. Uh, there was just Okay, so zero. how does oh, so in your mind, Bill, get yeah. hit your rationalization button. How does Cox know to call me Scooter? Uh, it's just a random coincidence. Is the nickname he's like. <laughs> I love it. I really want this to be a running gag that Donald and I do the detective work to see how the janitor talks to other people. So and true. Like, I nope. think the only one I think you've ever seen him speak to is Elliot in that thing when they're all walking up to each other mad. Yes. Yes. Well, she right. speaks to him. He doesn't necessarily speak to her. The last exactly. thing I have yeah, is... Exactly. Uh, that might not have even been a janitor she made mad. This is just... This is all seen through JD's lens. <laughs> the last thing I want to... Uh, the last thing I've ever and written you down You know is- what? And you're absolutely right. Actually, the very next person that the janitor... The very next person that's attacked after Elliot uh, does that to the janitor is JD. So, it could right. be... It could be that... Uh, that, one's, that one's imaginary and Elliot yeah. was talking to an intern or an orderly or something. Or There's, no, that's she, a or, possibility. Or she's just not even talking to anyone. There's no one there, and she's just saying it. Yeah, it's very Fight Clubby. When we yeah, at the end, we should show up. Yeah, exactly. There Thank we go. you. The last thing I want to say is this: they went overboard with the filters on Sarah in the bathtub because it's like Barbara Walters. You can barely see her through filters, and and she's in like this most enormous fucking bathroom. And I, I was thinking, like, why does Elliot? But then I remembered: is doesn't Elliot supposed to have money from her parents? Her parents are paid. Because Elliot's in like the bathroom of a millionaire's house. <laughs> it was subtext that we had planned for and a lot of it got cut, but it eventually pays off when she tells her dad she doesn't want to go into a female specialty and he stops paying for her life. So she has to move in with you. She loses her whole uh, apartment. She and works at, the, at that she, apartment. She's like, this place is big. She works at the clinic. She yep. starts working at the clinic, all of that stuff. I remember. Well, Thank you. Well, Sorry, uh, audience. Are we done? We, yeah, are audience. We, we we went all over oh, the place today, but we're five, so excited. No bill. About a show we made about a bunch of docs and nurses and a janitor who loved to hate. I said he's a story. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, it's simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. You can learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Did you know that 46% of us don't take all our vacation days? Even though it's been proven that taking time off to play makes us more productive. In California, no matter where you go, you'll find play. Explore a redwood forest, immerse yourself in art galleries, or just park yourself in a beach chair and chill. Play is everywhere in California, so take some well-deserved playtime off and discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
Hey guys, I've been telling you about how we are big fans of Tacova's boots. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style, and service are some of the best features of Tacova's. But now they also have a gift for our listeners. Tacovas will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps free with a minimum purchase of $100 at tacovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And point your toes west. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.